The title of my message this evening is The Power of a Testimony. Uh, I brought a similar message uh, a couple years ago, but I feel that this message fits where the Holy Ghost just seems to be having me uh, concerning our Wednesday night studies. And before I even go any further, one more time, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Yes, that he anoint me and anoint and bless you as well. Amen. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for this day, God, for your goodness and your faithfulness, for your love, your mercies. I thank you, Father God, that you have conquered sin and death and that you're no longer in the grave, but that you're seated on the throne. I thank you, Father God, that you desire nothing more than for us to be seated in heavenly places along with you. And I pray that you would take us there tonight. That you would seat us, Father God, in heavenly places as we yield ourselves to you, as we hear from you and, and, and just give ourselves to you and your word. This isn't my word tonight. This is your word. So I need your anointing. I need your power. I need your presence as Pastor Darrell has already prayed to rest upon me. And your people need your, your spirit and your power as well, God, to come against any slumbering spirit, any distraction, any hindrance, the cares and concerns of the day or the week, Father God, or the concerns or cares of tomorrow. Help us all to understand, God, that you hold tomorrow, Father God, that every day will take care of itself and you will take care of us. So, God, just uh, touch my lips tonight, I pray, O oh God, touch my mind and my body and touch your people as well so that we might receive everything that you have for us tonight. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. As most of you know, uh, the last several times I've taught, which seems like it's been an eon ago, it's probably been about four weeks ago since uh, I've preached. Some of it's been due to construction issues. Some of it's been vacation. Some of it's been called away to uh, uh, one of the conferences that we went to. But I thank you for your patience. I will make you aware now over the last over the next several months, Especially because of my involvement, heavy involvement with the building and the construction. There may be a couple of weeks, I don't know, hopefully not many weeks at all, but there might be a couple of weeks where I might not be able to be behind the pulpit because of some other ministry obligations and just making sure our building is going forward. And if that's the case, I know that we've got good men that can stand up here and preach the gospel like Pastor Darrell or anyone else that the Lord anoints. So I just pray that you be patient. Just come hungry for the word. Whoever's back here, I promise you that the Holy Spirit is going to give you a word. Amen. So I just want to get that out of the way. But as most of you know, over the last several times I've taught, I've talked to you about being a witness for the Lord. I've talked about God's call upon our life to be salt and light to a lost and darkened world, to go into the highways and the byways and the common places of your world and our society in order to be a testimony of God's power in our lives. Remember, this is our number one call in life. It's the very reason that God sent his Holy Spirit upon the church, according to Acts chapter one. Amen. And that was for us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and in the uttermost parts of the earth, not just here in church. That's some of what I've looked at over the last few weeks that I've preached to you. And, and it's, it's a reminder that, that God's main call upon our lives is to be a testimony of his power. Uh, to a lost and, and a dying world. And it's why I'm bringing this message to you once again in a, in a new form, because he wants us to be a witness. He wants us to be a testimony of his power and of his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. And when you look at First Kings chapter 10, 
you'll discover that there was tremendous power in Solomon's testimony. And God has provided a way for us to have tremendous power in our testimony as well. And that's really what I've based this message on tonight. It's the power of a testimony. And what I want you to understand is that your testimony has the power to influence someone else's life. Your testimony has the power to move on the soul of another individual. Your testimony, which consists of your words and your works and your worship, has the power to overtake and overcome someone else's life and draw them a little closer to the kingdom of God. And I'm bringing this message because I don't want us to forget that that is our call. Our call and God's desire for each and every one of us is to draw someone else closer to the kingdom of God. To draw someone else a little closer to the cross of Jesus Christ because that's the only place where they will find life. It's the only place that they will overcome. It's the only place that they will find victory in their lives. And God has called us to do that. First Kings 10 verse 1 says, When the queen of Sheba heard... About the fame of Solomon, and I'm going to stop right there because I want you to remember that it all starts with hearing. Amen. The Bible tells us that faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing the word of God. The Bible tells us and it also says that how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone goes and tells them, unless someone opens up their mouth? So I don't want to pass by that because every every jot and and word in, in the Scripture has a meaning. And so I don't want to just pass over that. But it says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon, reminds me that someone along their way opened up their mouth and shared a story. It means that someone along the way opened up their mouth and had a few words concerning the king. Now, I'm talking here about the king of Solomon, but I want you to understand that it's your role and my role to open up our mouth and tell someone about the king of glory. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to open up our mouths and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ so that someone can hear and come a little closer to the kingdom of God. This is exactly what happened in the life of the queen of Sheba. Someone told her a story that was beyond belief. Someone told her a story that she could not just quite fathom and wrap her hands around. And the reality is the story of the king of kings and the story of the Lord of lords, the story of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ is a story some people can't wrap their minds around. It's a story that some people just can't fathom and understand. But if you're willing to tell that story, it'll draw someone a little closer to the cross of Jesus Christ. It might be a stranger. It might be a friend. It might be someone in your family. It might be someone in your workplace. But I'm telling you, they can't hear that story unless you or I are willing up to open our mouths and share that story. Amen. So when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord or his relationship with Jehovah, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to see if he was everything he was cracked up to be. She came to see if he was all of that and a bag of chips, you might say. She came to see if his testimony was true or if his testimony was tepid. She came to see if everything she heard about this man and his relationship with the king of glory was true. 
Or if it was all nothing but a made-up story. You see, what I want you to understand, that you got a lot of people looking at you. you got a lot of people listening to you. And every single one of us will have someone come into our life to see if we're everything we say we are. You and I are surrounded by individuals that will look at us every day, whether we understand it or not. People in our workplace, people in the church, people that you pass by on the road every single day and never even recognize them. But they got a routine just like you do. And they sit next to you at a red light and they pass by you on the way to work or on the way to school. And they're watching you, especially if you got a little bumper sticker on your car, especially if they see you pull into South Metro every now and then. They're watching you to see if you're everything you say you are and they're watching me to see if I'm everything that I say I am I've got the title of Pastor Jeff Merriman family life pastor at South Metro and there's people watching me to see if I'm everything that I say I am there's people watching me to see if I live up to my confession and they're watching you as well and this is what we have to understand This world will test you and try you every single day. They'll test your patience and they'll try your patience. They'll test you to see if you have love. They'll test you to see if you have compassion. They'll test you and try you to see if you really love the Lord, if you're really willing to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to test you and try you to see if you're going to stand up for the right to life. They're going to test you and try you to to see if you're going to stand up for, for, for a man and a woman is the only form of marriage. They're they're going to test you and try you in every single way that they can to see if you're everything that you claim to be, church. They're going to test you to see if your works match your words. You see, there's this saying that I learned a long time ago. Your, Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You understand what I'm saying? So the reality is there's people that are going to see what your walk has to say in life. They don't care what you say if what you do doesn't measure up. They don't care what you say. They don't care how much you worship. They don't care how many bumper stickers you got on your car. They don't care how big your Bible is. They don't care how many Christian t-shirts you wear. If your lifestyle doesn't measure up to your words, your works don't mean anything. And this is what the Holy Spirit in the Bible is trying to teach us here. But this was the power of Solomon's testimony. His works far exceeded his words. And you'll find that as we go. But this is what we have to understand, that the world is always watching. They're going to test you to see if your vessel holds water or if it's full of holes. You understand what I'm saying? They're going to watch you when you go through trial. They're going to watch you when you go through tribulation. They're going to watch and listen to you when the, when the pressure gets hot at the workplace. They're, they're going to wait to see if you lose your temper and lose your cool, if, if vulgarity comes out of their mouth. They're going to watch you when your marriage goes through a rough spot to see how you make it through. They're going to watch you, test you, and try you to see if you're everything that you have called yourself or if you're nothing but a fake, if your testimony is tepid instead of true. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us tonight, that the world is always watching. And when those in this world, listen, come to a crossroads in their life, when those around you come to this place of pain and pressure in their own personal life, when they come to a crossroads where where it feels like their life is falling apart, church, they're going to stop 
They're going to look and they're going to listen to everything you have to say and everything you do. Because they're looking for help. Because they're looking for hope. Because they're looking for someone with the power and the influence to change their lives. And they're not going to turn to anyone with a tepid testimony. They're not going to turn to anyone whose works don't measure up to their words, church. They're going to turn to the individual that they've seen go through the fire, that they've seen go through the flood, that they've seen make it through the heartache and seen make it through the headache and seen make it through the sadness and the sorrow of life. You think anyone going through hell and high water is going to come running to someone they've seen throw in the towel two years ago? You think they're going to come running to the individual that's got nothing but tears on their pillow, whining and crying and fussing about the heartaches of life? You think they're going to come running to someone with a sad song? No, they're going to come running to the individual that has lived up to the words that they speak, who has the, the, a, a true, tremendous testimony in their life. That's who this world is looking for. And listen, it's why they're going to test you and try you. Because they're going to weed out what's true and they're going to and cling to that what's They're going to weed out what's false and cling to that which is true. So you and I have an obligation and a responsibility to make sure that our testimony is complete, church, and and not lacking. The first thing that I want you to look, it says, When the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon and his relation to the Lord, it moved her. When she heard about his relationship to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not all these other false gods that her and her kingdom worship, when she heard about King Solomon and his relation to Jehovah God, the Bible says it moved her. It caused her to do something extraordinary in her life. And, and this is who we're supposed to be. Our testimony is supposed to be so strong and so true and so real and not tepid that it causes some, it causes something in the lives of others to move, to cause them to come near to God, to cause them to come closer to the cross of Jesus Christ. It caused her to take an, ordin- an extraordinary step in her life, which we're going to look at in a moment. But I want you to understand that our words... And our works and our worship have the power to move this world closer to God. Our Christian words... Please understand what I'm saying. Your words have the power to draw someone closer to Christ or drive them away from Christ. Your words have the power to offer life or death. And depending on your words will dictate the influence you have on those around you. If you go to work and you're nothing but mumble and grumble and complain and bicker and backbite and speak bad against your boss and curse and do all these other things, you think you're driving them to Jesus? You think you're driving them to the cross of Jesus Christ? You think you're driving them to victory, to hope? No, you're driving them to despair. You're driving them to sadness and sorrow. You're not driving them to to victory. Your words have the power to drive someone closer or farther away from Christ. Your works, the same way, have the power to drive someone closer to Christ or farther away. If you live a selfish life, you'll never drive anyone to Jesus. If it's all about you, if it's all about me, myself, and I, and they see no sacrifice, if they see no character of Christ in your life that considers them and their need more important than your own, you will never drive them to Jesus Christ. And your testimony is tepid, and your testimony is not true. If, if you in your life, your words, your works, and your worship 
If there is never a demonstration of God's worth in your life, then you have no testimony. That's what worship is. We think worship is nothing more than singing. We think worship is nothing more than playing a piano. That's called music. That's called singing. You know what worship is? It's demonstrating God's value in your life. I don't care whether it's through song or through sacrifice or through service or testifying or witnessing or giving food to the poor, putting clothes on the naked or giving water to the thirsty. That's what worship is. Worship is considering someone else more important than yourself. Worship is magnifying God and esteeming Him the way He should be esteemed. It's recognizing who He is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that stepped down from His throne and and took on the form of a humble servant. He made Himself nothing so that we can be something, church. That's what worship is. Worship is magnifying the Lord in my words and in my works and in everything I do in my life. Paul's the one that said, you're to to glorify Him in word and in deed. Word and in deed, that's how we worship Him. When we lift Him up and we let the world know how valuable God is to me. Let me ask you a question. Do your co-workers know how valuable God is to you? Does your next door neighbor know how valuable God is to you? Do they know how much He means to you? Do, do, do the people you come in contact with understand how much you value Jehovah Jireh, my provider? Do they understand that? Or, or are they oblivious to my relationship with God? If they are, we've got to question the power of our testimony. If they're oblivious to our relationship with God, we really have to ask, do I have a testimony? Is there any power in my profession at all? Or am I just an empty, powerless vessel? Do I have a form of godliness and yet deny the power thereof? Or am I making an impact for the kingdom of God? You see, the reality is, the first thing I want you to see is that every testimony begins with our relationship to the Lord. Every testimony begins with our relationship to the Lord. Look at it again. When the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon and his relation to the Lord, it moved her. Every testimony begins with our intimacy and our devotion to Jehovah God. It begins with us being knit together with Jesus Christ. It it begins with us being united with the Father. It begins with a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not saying this to be critical or mean, but you don't have a testimony. If you don't have a personal, intimate relationship with the, the giver of life, you don't have a testimony. You might have a story, but it's no testimony. It's certainly not filled with power. You see, the sad reality is there's a lot of people that have a better relationship with the church than they do with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that have a better relationship with the pastor than they have with Jesus Christ. They have a better relationship with the person they sit next to in the house of God than the one who built the house of God. You see, the reality is we need to understand that our testimony doesn't hinge on our church. It hinges on Jesus Christ. It hinges on our relationship with Jehovah God, not on our relationship with the church, not on our relationship with the pastor. You see, the reality is you can come to church 52 days a week, 52 Sundays a year, and still not have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
It happens all the time. The house of God is filled with individuals that have no intimacy with God. He's a complete stranger to them. And they're a complete stranger to God. They have their favorite seat. They have their favorite parking spot. They have their favorite song. They have their favorite handshake. They have the favorite person that they want to sit next to. And they love it. They're motivated. They're here. But they still have no relationship with God. At all. It's a sad commentary. But please listen to me. It happens every day. And it's why they have no testimony. Woo! It's why they have no dance. It's why they have no clap. It's why they have no song. It's why they have no prayer life. It's why there's nothing exciting about their life or their relationship with Jesus. Because they don't have one. They come to church. Yes. They give when the offering plate goes around. They sing their favorite songs. They might even be serving in a ministry. And and please understand, I'm not talking about specifically anyone here. I'm talking general. They do all of these things, but yet they have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they wonder why their songs don't have any power. They wonder why their claps don't have any power. They wonder why their prayers don't go any higher than the the ceiling. They're wondering why their worship, they're wondering why their service, they're wondering why their sacrifice and their tithes and their offerings are, are, are dead. They don't have any power. Why? Because they have no relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the giver of life. This is what we have to understand. It all starts, your testimony starts with a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The reality is, listen, Solomon's testimony was based solely on his relationship to the Lord. His testimony wasn't based on who he used to be. It wasn't based on his money. It wasn't based on his material gain. It wasn't based on all of those things. Please understand, his testimony was based on his relationship to the Lord, and it's what moved the queen of Sheba. When she heard about his relationship with Jehovah, something happened in her own personal life. You see, there comes a point in time when this world doesn't give a flip about how much money you have. They don't give a flip about the kind of car you drive or the clothes you wear or the bling you've got on. Because they all they all will come to a place and point in their life where they realize that everything I have still isn't satisfying my soul. All the money in the world isn't holding my marriage together. The fancy car and the fancy house and all the bling hasn't kept my daughter from being pregnant. Hasn't kept my son out of jail. It hasn't helped. There's still a need in my life. So please understand, what you and I have to understand is that our relationship, our testimony is based on our relationship to the Lord. The reality is our testimony isn't about who we used to be. And I want you to grasp this. It's all about Jesus Christ. Our, our, our testimony isn't based on what I used to do and how bad I used to be or any of those things. It's simply based on Jesus Christ. Our testimony has nothing to do with us It has everything to do with Jesus. Our testimony doesn't have anything to do with who I used to be, but who I am now in Jesus Christ. Please please grasp this. Because I don't care if someone was an adulterer. I don't care if somebody was a murderer. I don't care if someone was a liar, a thief, or a cheat. There's still all those things if they don't have Jesus. The reality is we all were born sinners. 
The reality is that all of us were born into darkness. All of us were born destined for destruction. All of us were lost. All of us were blind. And that story doesn't change until we come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Until we come into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So understand, that's where your testimony starts. It starts with a a relationship with Jehovah. Listen, my testimony has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with him. My testimony is all about who I am in Jesus Christ. Remember, the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. My testimony and my story doesn't start until I find myself in Christ. Your testimony, your story, your your influence doesn't begin until you find yourself in Christ. Amen? So I want us to keep this in mind as we go. If any man should boast, let him boast in the Lord. If any man should brag, the Bible says, let him brag in what Jesus has done. So here's what I want you to understand before I move on. The power of Solomon's testimony had nothing to do with his past. It had to do with the fact that he and Jehovah went hand in hand. It had to do with the fact that that Solomon decided that he wasn't going to lean on his own understanding, but that he was going to acknowledge God in all of his ways so that God could direct his path. It didn't have anything to do with his past. The power of his testimony hinged on the fact that he and the king of kings had a personal, intimate relationship. The reality is you could not mention Solomon without mentioning Jehovah. You could not mention Solomon without being reminded that he had a divine wisdom that came from above. You could not mention Solomon without understanding that he was blessed by Jehovah God. The two went hand in hand. The two, you could not mention one without mentioning the other. They were knit together. They were united together. Everything Solomon did... He did with, with Christ. And this is what you and I have to understand about our own testimony. It hinges on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So please listen. We'll never have influence over this world unless we have a relationship with Jesus. That's exactly where it starts. We, not, I'm not, when I talk about a relationship with Jesus, I'm going backwards a little bit. I'm not talking about a habit. I'm not talking about a tradition. I'm not talking about a schedule or a ritual or a routine that we go through every Sunday morning or every Wednesday night. I'm talking about a real, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. A lot of people, for a lot of people, like I said, Jesus is nothing more than a Sunday morning service. For a lot of people, Jesus and their relationship with him is nothing more than like a a Wednesday night Bible study. It's nothing more than serving on this thing or serving on that thing. And, And they overlook the most important aspect of their Christian success. And it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Remember, the queen heard about Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord. And that's what moved her. That's what stirred her. That's what motivated her. And if you read the story, you'll see... His testimony is what caused her to to drive, not that she had a car. They had camels and chariots and that back then. But when she heard about Solomon and his relation to the Lord, the Bible says it drove her 1,400 miles. 1,400 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. 1,400 miles she traveled to find the man she heard this story about. She drove 1,400 miles Six months travel time just to see if this testimony was true. 
just to see if this man really did have that kind of relationship with God, just to see if God really was God. And one of the questions the Holy Spirit has for us tonight is what, are, what is our testimony driving others to do? What is our testimony causing other people to do? How many people has your testimony driven to the cross? How many people has your testimony driven to South Metro? How many people has your testimony driven to, to Jesus Christ and an intimate personal relationship with him? How many, how many of our testimonies have driven people from, from Ethiopia to the city of God where you can truly find life? That's a question that we have to answer. And that's how we judge whether our testimony has power or not. Whether our words have power or not. Whether our words have power or not. But I just, it, it amazed me when I read this how incredible it, that truly is. That here's a woman that simply heard this story heard this testimony and it caused her to invest 12 months a full year of her life six months there and six months back and however much time she spent there so my question tonight and the holy spirit is what is our testimony driving others to do church is it driving that them to the feet of Jesus Christ? Is it driving them to the city of God? Is it driving them to an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Understand, Solomon's relation to the Lord is what drew the queen close. It's the key to our testimony. It's the key to our witness, and we cannot afford to forget that. The Bible says when the queen heard about the king and his relation to the Lord, she came to him. And arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all of her questions and nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all of the wisdom of Solomon, keep in mind she heard and now she saw. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough for people to listen to the words we speak. They come to see as well. So it said Solomon answered all the questions that she had. Nothing was too hard for her to ex- for him to explain. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, when she saw the food on his table, when she saw the seating of his officials, when she saw the service of his waiters and the way they dressed, when she saw his cupbearers and how they served him, When she saw his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her, the Bible says. There was no more stirring in her soul. There was no more anxiousness about her. The Bible says in an interpretation she was overwhelmed. And the Bible, or the word, that, the, the word overwhelmed here in Scripture means that she was overtaken by a superior force. And this is what I want us to understand tonight, that, that her anxiousness and her troubling thoughts and her questions and her cares and her concerns and the stirring in her soul were completely overpowered by a superior force, the Bible says. And her spirit was no more because of what she heard about one man and because of what she saw in that one man's life. You see, you can talk till you're blue in the face, like I said, but until people see the real deal, they don't care what you have to say. You see, I want you to understand that it was what she heard brought her close, but what she saw 
changed her life. And I want you to understand that too. What you say might have the power to draw people a little bit closer to Jesus and a little bit closer to the church and a little bit closer to the cross of Christ. But what they see in your life will change their life. What they see take place in your life is what will change their life. So please keep that in mind. This is a threefold. There's a threefold part to our testimony. It's our words. It's our works. And it is our worship. And if we don't have all three of those functioning at full capacity, our testimony is tepid. The word tepid means that it's not strong. It lacks influence and it lacks power. If you want a powerful testimony, you have to have those three things at full blaze and full force going on in your life. Your words, your works, and your worship. But the Bible says she was overwhelmed. She was overtaken by the power of Solomon's testimony. She was overtaken by what she heard and and by what she saw and by the worship that she experienced while she was in his temple. And what I want us to understand this evening is that all of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our social status, regardless of our race or our color or our creed, regardless of where we live or regardless of who we are, regardless of where we work, we all have the ability, just like Solomon, to overwhelm and overtake a life through the power of our testimony. You see, the reality is there are some people in your life that are being controlled by their emotions. They're being controlled by fear or sadness or sorrow. They're being controlled by heartache or headache. They're being controlled by some sort of emotion, by some sort of evil spirit, by some sort of circumstance that's going on in their life. And God has placed you in their life and filled you with the power of His Spirit so that you can overtake that foul spirit in their life. So that you can overtake whatever it is that's trying to control their life. I hope you understand this. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, so I might what? Preach the gospel and set the captives free. Why do you think God put His Spirit upon you? Why do you think He has anointed you? It's so you can set the captives free. So that you can overtake and overpower the evil spirit that's at work in their life, church. This is why God has anointed you. That's why God has called you. The reality is, please listen to me, you're surrounded by uh, dozens, hundreds of individuals in your life who are being controlled by something. You all know somebody being controlled by fear. Maybe even you. You all know somebody is being controlled by doubt and anxiousness. They tell stories. I can't sleep at night. I got night terrors. They're being controlled by all sorts of emotions. Why do you think God put you in their life? So that you could rise up under the power of your testimony and take authority over that thing that's controlling their life and bring freedom to those that are being held captive. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I talk the power of a testimony. You're supposed to exercise some power over the evil spirit that's trying to control the lives of those people around us. And if we're not doing that, guess what? We're not operating operating at our fullest potential. Our testimony really isn't true. Our testimony is tepid. Why do you think the devil wants you to shut up about God? Why do you think the devil wants to hold you back and keep you quiet and keep you? Why do you think he tries to make you be afraid to witness? Why do you think he tries to make you be afraid to shine the light and and to be salt in a lost and dying world? Why? Because he knows that if you're not afraid, you're going to overwhelm and conquer his evil spirits. That's why, church. Church. 
And this is why we have to rise up and be, be a living testimony of the power of God in our lives. We can't just sit around. We have to exercise that authority and that power. And that's what you do when you shine the light. That's what you do when you sprinkle the salt. That's what you do when you speak godly words and you, you do godly deeds. And, and when you demonstrate God's value and worth to God and to those around you. You exercise that power over those spirits that are controlling their life, church. This is what we have to understand when I talk about a testimony, I want you to realize that I'm talking about a, a, a testimony that goes beyond confession. I'm talking about a testimony that goes beyond mere words because you know as well as I do, talk can be cheap. You can say I love you till you're blue in the face, but your heart can still be far from God. You can tell your spouse I love you till you're blue in the face, but your actions can contradict it every single day. We do the same thing with God. We do, oh God, I love you. God, I worship you. We sing all these songs about how we, how affectionate we are to God. And we don't realize how much we crush His heart when we walk out that door by the way that we live and the things that we say and how we fail to demonstrate His value in our lives at whatever level it might be because our testimony isn't true. We need to rise up, church, and be a better example and a better testimony to this world and even to the Lord himself. I'm talking about a testimony that others can see and others can experience in their own lives. I'm, I'm talking about a testimony that goes beyond these pews. Talking about a testimony that goes beyond that door. I'm talking about a testimony that goes out beyond our parking lot and beyond your, your little inner circle of Christian friends. I'm talking about a testimony that goes into the dark places of our society. I'm talking about a testimony like D.L. Moody had that he carried every single where he went when he sat down in a barber's chair. I want you to understand that, that he was a testimony of God's power. When he went to the grocery store, he was a testimony of God's power. Everywhere this man went, he was a testimony of the power of God through his words and his works and his worship demonstration of the value of God in his life. And we have been called to do the same exact thing, to take this testimony farther than this place. Please, please listen to me. Your testimony isn't nearly as important in here as it is out there. If this is the only place you testify, if this is the only place where you stand up and say, God is good, if this is the only place you clap your hands, only place you feel free to dance, only place you, you, you sing a song and demonstrate God's value in your life, I want you to understand your testimony is weak. The world needs to hear about God. Your coworker needs to hear about God. Your coworker and those around you are the ones that need to understand how valuable God is to you. Because if they can find someone that was willing to turn to God in their time of trial, in their time of tribulation, maybe they will too. They need to see that it works. They need to see that it's real. How many of you, I mean you can pick a, a million different things. There's things I won't buy until I know someone else has bought it. There's restaurants I won't go to till I get a good report, a first-hand account. Was it good or was it bad? You understand what I'm saying? People are looking for the real deal. They want to understand, have you tried it? Have you really gone through it? Has it worked for you? You understand, before they make a sacrifice, before they make a commitment, 
before they're willing to yield everything that they have and give their lives to Christ, they want to make sure it's worked for someone and that it's worth it to someone else. Yes, it's worth it. Yeah, I've been through heartache. Yeah, I've been through trial, tribulation. But my God has never left me or forsaken me. He's been through, He's been with me through the water and through the flood. He's, he's never left me or forsaken me. And you see, when we have that testimony, it builds up their trust and it builds up their faith. We need to do that, church. The Queen of Sheba was overwhelmed by his testimony because, please listen to this, his testimony reached beyond his castle courts. His testimony wasn't just being talked about inside the palace. The testimony in the story and his relationship with Jehovah wasn't just being talked about in his courtyard or just talked about in his kingdom. It traveled 1,400 miles to a place called Ethiopia, and the queen of Sheba heard about it. How far has your testimony gone? How far has your testimony reached? How many lands has it, has it crossed? How many borders and boundaries has it passed by? Has it ever gotten into your workplace? Has it ever gotten into a school? Has it ever crossed your street? Has it ever gone anywhere besides the house of God? If it hasn't, listen, you don't have a testimony, and neither do I. If the only time I preach about Jesus Christ and how valuable He is to me is while I'm behind the pulpit, I don't have a testimony. i got to be willing to go out there and tell someone how great God is. And you and I have to do the same thing. It amazes me when I read this story how far his testimony went. How far the story of his relationship with Jesus went. And please listen. If it got to the queen regent, imagine the thousands of others that heard about it. Imagine all the little peasants that heard about it. Metalsmiths. Field workers. Vineyard keepers. Metal workers, tapestry artists. Imagine in that kingdom how many people heard about this one man's testimony. And I want to go back because it all hinged on someone being willing to share that story. Please understand how how valuable you opening up your mouth is one time telling the story about Jesus Christ. It carries farther than you can imagine. It carries into lands that you might never be able to walk into. David never went to her land, but his testimony did. David never visited her, but his testimony and his relationship with the Lord drew her to him. Please understand what I'm saying. You may never make it to Africa, but your testimony about God's goodness in your life has the power to reach into lands you may never walk into. Someone might hear about how good God is from you because it's been passed down the lane because you've told somebody about the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's the power of a testimony. Understand your testimony, like I said, means more out there than it does in here. Solomon had a testimony powerful enough to reach into another kingdom and touch the heart of a queen. How powerful is our testimony? How far is our testimony gone? See, here's what I want you to understand. She, the Queen of Sheba, and I know I'm running out of time, but the Queen of Sheba was called the Queen Regent. It means that she had complete responsibility of the kingdom because the king was not available. Because the king had issues or problems or he was sick or he was away. We don't, I don't know the history on it. 
But he, she had the sole responsibility of leading that kingdom. Imagine the pressure. Imagine the anxiousness. Imagine the weight that she felt for the well-being of her people and the well-being of her kingdom. Security questions, security concerns, well-being, financial, all of those things. You got a house. You know what you got to deal with. You, you got your own little kingdom. You know what you got to deal with. You know the cares and the concerns that you got to deal with every day. Well, this woman, she was thrown into a position that she, she might not have been prepared to be. So she had questions. She had, she had important questions, the Bible said, Kingdom questions and kingdom concerns, just like those around you in your life. They all have questions of concern. They all have deep life questions, but you'll never hear about them unless you're a witness for God. You'll never hear about them unless your light is shining, unless you've been sought. You'll never hear you'll never hear those kingdom questions from anyone unless you have positioned yourself through the power of your testimony to have someone come and speak into your life. It's what happened with Solomon. She brought every one of those kingdom questions to Solomon, and the Bible says he answered every single one of them. And after she saw his lifestyle, after she saw his commitment, after she saw his testimony, her spirit was no more. It was put to rest. She was overwhelmed. The anxiousness, all of those things that were troubling her soul were overtaken by a superior force. Guess who your superior force is? It's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guess who your superior force is? It's the the Holy Spirit Himself. Guess who your superior force is? It's Jesus Christ, the one that went to the cross and the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That's who our superior force is. We should be overtaking lives every single day. Every single day we should be overtaking lives. But what are we doing? We're sitting back waiting for someone else to go. Someone else to answer the call. Someone else to be brave. Someone else to speak up. Someone else to set the example. Waiting for someone else to worship. We're waiting for someone else to demonstrate how valuable God is. Waiting on the pastor. Waiting on the staff. Waiting on my spouse. Waiting on my parents. I'll let them do it all. That's not the... Please grasp this, church. Every single one of us have the same duty to be a testimony of the power of God. Amen? Here's what I'm going to end with. It didn't just stop with his words and with his works. Those two combined caused, caused the queen of Sheba to say in verse 6, her, his words or the, what she heard, like I said, drew her near. What she saw is what changed her life. And then it says in verse 6, all that I have been told. And all that my mind has imagined isn't even half of what I found to be so. Please understand that. Everything that she imagined, and you know your imagination can be pretty strong. Everything that I imagined about this king, everything I imagined about his kingdom, everything I thought about for 1,400 miles as to what I would find when I got there, wasn't even half of what I experienced. Do you understand the depths of that church? I wonder if people are saying that when they come to South Metro. I wonder if they're saying that when they come to you and they look at your life. Everything that I thought about South Metro, everything that I thought, not even, 
What I've been told isn't even half of what I found to be true. His life so outshined and outweighed his words that she was completely overwhelmed, the Bible says. That's how you overwhelm people. You live way beyond your words. You live way beyond your confession. And you make it obvious to those around you how, how valuable God is for you. When you read the passage, I'm ending here. When you read verses 1 through 9, those closing passages, she saw. It talks about his sacrifices in the temple of the Lord. That was a demonstration of, that was a demonstration of what God meant to him. And when you do a study of what he sacrificed, it blows you away. 10,000 of this animals, 10,000 of that animals, thousands of pounds of this and hundreds of pounds of that. I mean, his, his sacrifices alone just, I mean, you couldn't fathom them. She saw all of that and it just amazed her. It, it said to her, there's something valuable about this God. And she was breathless. Her life was changed. It was never the same because of the power of his testimony. So I end simply with this question. If the queen of Sheba came into our life, what would she find? Would she be overwhelmed? Would she be disappointed? Would she turn, walk away? She brought a bunch of stuff with her. Read it. She brought stuff that she was willing to lay at the feet of the king if she could just find what she was looking for. Read it. She brought gold and myrrh and all sorts of valuable things, a caravan full of wealth, willing to lay at the feet of Solomon if she could just find what she was looking for. This world is the same way. They'll lay it all down if they can just find what they're looking for. If they can just find someone that's got a testimony. If they can just find someone who can overtake the spirit that's operating in their life. Spirit that has control of their emotions, church. They're willing to lay it all down. You were. I was. Well, maybe we're still struggling with stuff that God's asking us to lay down, church. But please understand what I'm saying. This is the power of a testimony. And if the queen came into our life, what would she find? And what would she say? If you want the power of a testimony, if you want a testimony like Solomon's, I just want you to stand to your feet and say, God, look, I know there's been times where my testimony's been tepid. There's times where my testimony hasn't gone as far as it should go. There's times my words haven't been a reflection My words haven't been filled with power. My works haven't built with power. And my worship has been less than best. This is what God is calling us to tonight. He wants our words to be filled with kingdom power. He wants our works to be a reflection of his kingdom's power. And he wants our worship to be a devoted demonstration of how valuable God is to us. Amen.